Hello, and welcome to episode 255 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with John and James Coates, creators of Dino Beast and Ninja 4 Dark Vengeance, uh, coming very soon. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. So guys, you've been on this podcast before, but let's do what we normally do. Let's do the uh, the brief intros uh, for everybody. We're going to lead off with, with John on this one. All right. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm John, and um, I make comics with my twin brother, James, and I am the writer and colorist for uh, Dino Beast and also uh, our Ninja 4 that we're currently working on. Very nice. And so, uh, you know, you, you kind of teed them up here, but James, uh, let's, let's uh, do a quick bio for, for you. Okay. So uh, I'm the artist uh, on uh, the uh, projects he mentioned. Uh, I studied at uh, the Joe Kubert school and at the uh, art center college of design. Uh, I studied uh, illustration and cartooning. Very nice. So Noah, um, I'm going to turn things over to you. I think we're going to sort of do a sort of a state of the union on uh, Dino Beast, which uh, wrapped up with issue three, not to not wrapped up, but the issue three wrapped up recently. So Noah, what what questions would you have for the guys? Noah, you're on mute, bud. Thank you. I was trying to be very proper with my Zoom etiquette. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I read the first three issues um, again for this for this interview. Actually, before I read issue three, I reread issue one and two. And I, I kind of like how you guys are like ramping up to like this ultimate climax. And I don't know if it'll be an issue four, but like it's upcoming, this sort of climax. But I also like the sort of like how each issue gets more and more action packed. So I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about that with you guys about like, you know, how much was going into, you know, of course, expanding the world in issue three, but also just like ramping up the action because like every couple pages, there's this new action set piece that like lasts for at least five pages at a time. So I'm just sort of curious about what, what, what went into your uh, thought process with all that in this issue. Yeah, issue, issue three here. Um was really where we were trying to trying to get a lot of different factions involved. You know, there's new factions and there's um, sort of wrap up from the big uh, climax battle that happens in issue two. And there's sort of fallout that happens from that. And we wanted to get after that, where they are um, in the story at this, at this point, because we're kind of at the midway point with book three um, and then at the same time introduce some new there's new villains introduced new new groups new uh, allies and everything and so this was we're we're working on getting all this together um, and pulling it all together so that it sort of rolls on into into the big finale awesome that's and awesome should... and I... go ahead Noah oh sorry I was I was just gonna ask uh john then sort of what was your approach to like i guess the designing the new factions but then also designing the action sequences with them because one thing that i thought was cool was um sort of the it's not the maybe it's the final battle in issue three but there's one with the two the two warriors 
and they're fighting down this like giant beast in a cave and like you you use the strengths of both the, the two warriors and the giant beast like so well and then you use the like surroundings really well in that sequence and it sort of like stuck out to me so i'm just sort of curious john like sort of how were you like what was what were you most excited about in this book like you know designing the characters and then designing the action around them or just like pushing the story forward in the world building and everything yeah i was i was really excited about some of the pushing of the story forward and in um unveiling some different bits of of the history of the characters and really like the Radnock character who who we get introduced to at the very beginning um like she's just a super cool character and I've been jonesing to to get her in to the book and and it was good to finally get into book three and and bring that character forward and then start to develop sort of her relationship with our main guy Komodo and so um yeah so that was the the most fun um, from the writing perspective, working on. And, and James, I, I think Noah asked you a sort of some of the, the, the thoughts that you had there about, I guess, uh, the, the sequence, uh, the action sequence in the, in the cave. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, well, I mean, um, I think we based a lot of our kind of action sequences more on um, like manga storytelling or even European comics where you, you can make a really long fight scene and kind of dive into like characters' strengths and weaknesses in battle a little bit more than you would like in a American comic where you only got a couple pages to have your characters do something. So the, the final scene was something we had thought about even back in like book two, uh, thinking about what we were going to do in this one. This was like a scene we kind of had pinpointed a long time ago as something that, you know, we, we could try to, make really cool and push it uh, we wanted to push it a little bit farther but eventually you know the page count starts getting pretty crazy and you're like well maybe we should <laughs> wrap it up a little bit yeah yeah because we we definitely wanted like this the 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 villain in that fight at the end to really kind of feel like a like a terminator yeah um, you know that like no matter what happens you, you don't know that they're gonna that they're gonna win and you just keep so it kind of builds a little desperation and um and yeah we really just took it and just like kept going and you know maybe planned out a few pages and then and then figured eh, it still does it doesn't feel long enough yet it doesn't feel like we're there yet to where we could end the fight and just sort of went by feel so yeah might- i i like that that's very cool so you guys mentioned a couple of things there that I'd like to, to touch on. I guess first thing that I heard was that uh, issue three was the uh, the sort of the midpoint of the story. So are you guys envisioning this uh, like six issues and then it's a closed story? Or is that like six issues for almost like a like a story arc? What's 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 the midpoint here? It's the midpoint of everything or is it the midpoint of maybe like, uh, you know, the the first volume? It's the uh, midpoint. We, it's uh, set for five total. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and we just sort of solidified the full outline and everything for the fourth one um, just this week. So, uh, yeah. So three is kind of like, yeah, is, is the midpoint of this big, big sort of, I guess, introductory Dino Beast story arc. 
Okay, so then the, the other thing that I'd like to ask about is you guys mentioned that uh, you get to take this sort of uh, European or, or manga style um, where you can, you know, have more uh, pages dedicated to to a fight. You know, you're not limited to this is a, uh, you know, this is a Daredevil comic coming out from Marvel and you have, you know, you have 22 pages. So, um, you know, Daredevil's fighting Bullseye, but you maybe only can, you know, dedicate two pages of the 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 22 to the fight and you guys have some pretty lengthy um uh comics and you know issues one issue two issue three there's the the page count is pretty great so does that give you the freedom uh to to do that uh you know and extend those fight scenes out yeah yeah it definitely uh i think when we started this project we never set ourselves up to say like a, a page number so that gives us the opportunity to kind of uh, play by feel a lot with like parts of the story. Like if it, if we think it needs to be like 22 pages of the characters just meeting each other, like we can do that mm-hmm. or we can make a fight scene longer. Um, it's, it's also based on some of the early uh, 90s independent comics like Paul Pope's THB. Like those single issues are like 60 pages, like, and it's all just like one story. You know, so I think a lot of that were, that influenced a lot of the way we look at kind of just the storytelling in general. And that's why in book three, you, you get more of a ramping up because we were kind of looking at like the long game of all five books as like one story. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of push different elements here, or there as we're going along. Nice. And when you're doing like a, like a fight scene and, I, you know, I know this is a, you know, a comic where we we have you know dino beasts fighting each other you know various sort of anthropomorphic uh you know creatures um are you looking at anything to sort of uh establish like a fighting style are you looking at like wrestlers or like i even think about like you know that that first season of daredevil where you know people would punch each other and then they would take some time to sort of recover it wasn't that sort of quick you know um you know, Jackie Chan's sort of style. So what was your, your process into the, to the fight scenes there? I, I think a lot of our thought process when we talk, talk them through is uh, a lot just to do with their uh, anatomy, really. Um, you know, like scale of some of the characters compared to other characters is, is quite different. And um, they're how much, how strong they are. Um, you know, if you have a snake character, then obviously sort of snake striking because it's a snake, um, stuff like that. Yeah. And I think, uh, in the middle of the book, there's a scene where, uh, we have our, uh, like our Tyrannosaur character fighting like a, a Brachiosaur and those characters are so large. We actually had a longer fight scene planned out. But as, as I started to draw it, like I realized the power behind like them throwing a punch, it's so great. Like they're, you're not gonna be able to take very many hits. Mm-hmm. So we kind of shortened the, that sequence up because it didn't make sense to have them fighting for 20 pages. We're like there's no way they could physically do it, like, you know, in our world. I'm glad you brought up that fight actually, because I had questions about that too. Uh, not not to like get away from fighting too much but it kind of is tied into that because the the brachiosaur character like i i got endeared to him like in issue one 
when he had the fight with Komodo. And then like, you know, as he's been like sort of there, we've been following his journey throughout this book too. I've become more attached. And in that fight scene, I was generally concerned that he was going to die. Like I was so freaked out. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is a good series because I actually care about this character. But I kind of think that the page count, like it's it, it gives you guys more time to like, you know, have a good action scenes, but also that you can have these like side characters like um, like the, the Brachiosaur and then also the Bat character because I was like concerned about him too, you know, to, to sort of have them in the background. So like it, it sort of makes the stakes a little more personal throughout the book. So yeah, I'd be interested to talk to you guys about that. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'm glad you said, uh, yeah, you were concerned for Borvo. Um, yeah, I mean, Borvo. I, like I, I wrote it and then when I was seeing the pages, come back from James like I was getting concerned too and I was like oh, I should be concerned I know what, I know what happens but uh uh yeah no yeah it, it turned out really good and it was and it's good to it was good not only to see him in action again and um and get a chance to kind of get a little more of his so sort of his worldview at least just a little bit um in terms of how he feels about about the Tyrannicons and vice versa, you know, when they first meet um, before they clash. So uh, yeah, that was good. It was a good moment. Very cool. Yeah, so, I was. No, please go ahead, Noah. Yeah. Oh no, I was just gonna say, and then that's sort of like, I was gonna talk to yeah, uh, uh, James about the sort of how he draws the the fights because like one thing like I love about fight scenes like uh, I, I like my like my favorite fight scenes are where the characters and it's funny Matt brought up Daredevil. But like what I love about that show and, and this comic too is that like your characters like take as much damage as they give out, like to the point where it's like super close at the end. And that's, I just sort of was, what is interesting to hear, yeah, sort of James thoughts on like how he designed sort of like the bloody, like battle damage of the characters and sort of maybe where that comes from um, design wise. Wow. Where does it come from? Uh so I guess I, I always liked um, more like over the top movies or comics stuff like, um, you know, some of the samurai films and, you know, Lone Wolf and Cub where they really exaggerate like the damage. And in, in a comic book, especially one with like dinosaur characters, I think you should, you know, you should and you can like really push some of the damage. Um, I, so the hardest part is kind of towing that line, like, how far do you push it without it getting too? Because I, I never want it to be like gratuitous, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, you know, the hardest part for me is kind of balancing like how much damage do they get? How much, you know, blood do you show? Um, but I've always, I, I guess I was always annoyed like growing up watching like 80s cartoons or something with like, you know, the Ninja Turtles, like nobody gets hurt or, you know, stuff like that. So I've, I've never considered like not having the characters kind of age and grow and damage as you kind of read the story and go with it. That's really cool. So I think we probably touched on this in, in the first interview, but um, what is the sort of the work process between, you know, two twin brothers who, you know, I'm sure you guys have a close relationship. It, John, are you sort of sequestered away 
um, writing a script and turning it over to James? Or is it like uh, a combination of like emails and text messages sort of through the day, like uh, putting pieces together? Like what's the work process there? Yeah, it, um, it'll like, I'll have a, like an outline and stuff for like this next, next issue. Um, and I've got, you know, some of the stuff like planned out pretty well, like maybe what might happen with some character development and stuff, but then, you know, we'll just start going back and forth, um, and start talking through scenes and, and it can change from sort of scene to scene within the book, then how we proceed with it. Like I'll have probably some scenes where maybe I'll write them out much more sort of full script page with, uh, with ideas. And then there's going to probably going to be some where like, I, I won't write, write it out very fully because I'll, once we talk, like James will already have like a good grasp of it, or he'll already have a ton of ideas and I'll be like, well, okay, you know, just go for it. And here's, you know, here's the, here's the gist we're, we're going for in this scene. So it'll, so it will vary. Um, and it has worked that way on the, on the previous, the previous books where it'll kind of change from scene to scene within a book. Um, and you know, that's probably a good, it's worked out well since we've doing longer volumes, um, with different sort of scenes and set pieces and stuff going on that, that we can change how we work on them based on, on what the, what the scene is. Yeah. Yeah. For like, for example, like the two fight scenes we were just talking about, uh, in the script, when it got to that part, it was just like, you know, Borvo, Borvo fight. And then it was like, you know, six pages with like a question mark. Next to it. <laughs> so like, you know, the final fight was like, okay, final fight time, you know, 10 pages, 12 pages, like that's all it said, you know? And then it's like, okay, you know, we both know what's like, what we want to have happen. And then it's just kind of, you know, I'll, I'll talk through maybe some panels or go, Hey, I have an idea. I want to do this. Is that cool? Or, you know, a lot of times I'll just draw it and then, you know, here, here's the finished page, <laughs> but uh, it's worked out. Okay. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I think one of the things that I brought up a few times on this podcast is um, there was a, uh, uh, an issue of um, a Mark Millar book. I think it was nemesis where he was drawing it or no, he was writing it, but he, uh, uh, Steve McNiven was was drawing it and there's a script uh, in the back and it basically gets to uh, the middle of the book and it's like fight scene do what you do six pages and then like and then after that like he picks up the script and he's like all right the you know the conclusion of that sort of car chase now let's move on so there's that's certainly one way that uh, seems to when the team works really well one of the ways that you can do it yeah and i think uh i think action action scenes at least the way like we approach them like we don't want to we don't want to like stan liam where you're just like having all this like quippy dialogue the whole time while you know some action scene is going on or something like we kind of like having them having just the visuals and the action sort of speak for itself yeah and that kind of works pretty well to where I can actually be like, you know, Hey, we talked, we talked through a scene and I can just be like, yeah, man, just make it, make it look cool. You know, make it look cool, make it feel right. Do whatever, you know, like we already got the developed character development 
out of the way at the beginning of the scene or it's going to happen afterwards or something. So just go for it. That's a really good point about the Stan Lee thing that you brought up. Cause I think about that when I'm reading action comics as well, because we talk about on this podcast, Matt and I do where it's like a good, a good fight scene has like good pacing and stuff like that in comics. And part of the way that it, it does pace itself is through like dialogue sometimes, mm-hmm. but also through like sound effects. And I kind of really like how James, you draw your sound effects in on sort of maybe the more extended stuff to slow you to sort of slow our eyes down as you draw on everything. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate that detail, but uh, is that sort of something that you're thinking about while you're drawing is like, okay, the sound effect here needs to be really big so that you slow down, you look at it, or is that sort of just intuition for you at this point? No, no, that's, that's uh, good. Uh, that's definitely something I think about it where you can try to use sound effects to like affect the pacing or like tell part of the story. So, I mean, I, I think that's part of the reason I don't do, or I haven't, you know, really done sound effects like for like every punch that's being hit or something. Right. Because then it, then you don't have that effect when you really do try to drop in some, you know, sound effect. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to get better with sound effects, but it, it's something I've always enjoyed in some of the comics I like when they do it like right or interesting. So, you know, it's kind of stuff I think about. And James, do you play with the, uh, do you like to play with like the panel size? Like, you know, if it's like a couple of quick blows, like, you know, you might make those like smaller so that like the, the reader sort of knows that like the, the elapsed time is, is very quick or is that something that you do to, to play with the pacing? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Like s- smaller panels feel quicker, you know, it's like a, your eye goes through them quicker. So, you know, quicker hits and then really expand it for like the bigger like uh for but that also doesn't include like character size is something that's tricky with our book because like nobody's the same size it feels like so so sometimes even if it's a quick blow when the characters are so big you kind of gotta budget a little bit but um you know (laughs) normally that's how you would do it yeah and so would you have like a character sheet um, so that like you would know that like when this bigger dino beast is fighting uh, sort of a, a smaller one that you, you know, things don't have to be precise, but maybe you want to sort of keep it consistent. Um, you know, if somebody shows up a few pages later um, and is standing next to them, you do you um, do your best to sort of maintain that sort of size uh, between the characters? Yeah, I have uh, I have a, like a little index card with like real little like um, just silhouetted shapes of some of the main characters, uh, and I'll flip back through like older pages or like back to book two or one sometimes to make sure I'm trying to keep the sizes you know relatively close. Yeah. Cool. So I'm gonna turn things over to Noah to see if he has any uh, any Dino Beast questions here. Yeah, I have, I have one more. Uh, yeah, I have a question for uh, John about colors this time around. It was really cool reading through the issues and seeing how your colors sort of have evolved across and like how issue one is sort of very, it's like, it's really great. It's like, I like a great design, but it's like very flat colors. Like there isn't much like gradient or anything like that in there. Mm-hmm. And then like, it's been cool seeing how both you and James have sort of like 
changed up your art styles a little bit as you go like uh james is like introducing like some ink washes and a little more like cross hatching and texture as he goes and then like i really really loved like how then in issue three uh, uh john you started like playing with gradients and things like that in there um so i just wanted to talk to you about like you know what, what how that evolution come about was that just something that you just sort of felt was like needed because um, like a specifically example is the, the T-Rex that the, the Brachiosaur fights has like a really cool gradient effect on his colors. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm just, I'm just interested in that. Yeah, um, I guess sort of um, transition um, from the different books, it's really just been um, what we felt like um, fits each each book or each uh, sort of set piece if you'd call them that um yeah and just i guess uh just getting to use the program a little more and maybe trying a few different things and really just kind of how how we feel at that point when we're working on it hmm. um you know so still trying to keep it keep it all pretty similar since it's all like one you know one story um but then really just uh, just feeling like, well, maybe I could try a little something different here. And, uh, you know, just for for interest's sake, you know, not getting bored with with doing coloring or something like that. And um, just seeing what what looks good, what might might make it look better or, you know, enhance something and um, just trying some different stuff, really, because I think, um, yeah, like our our color inspirations haven't changed too much from the first three um you know we'll always keep an eye out for for new books we might find or or discover and and see if if that has something that interests us that we might want to apply to the next next book yeah i was uh on this recent reread i was uh appreciating sort of the old school feel it has because i had read the digitally i didn't have had, i didn't have physical copies of them yet mm. and so i was really just appreciating how well they like how good and how like you know how there's like a, there was a feeling to them of like old school comics and uh it's funny because like james and i are talking about how his style reminded me of like steve ditko and then your colors feel almost like from that era of marvel too like it, it fits that style that you just don't see very much anymore and it's uh, it's like it's overly saturated in like the right ways, and it really prints well, and it has this sort of like pulpy feel um, to it, uh, which I think is really cool. So, is that sort of what you were going for, or was it uh, is it different? Am I my way off? No, you um, you are you are spot on. Because uh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, older comics, which is of course what we grew up with, like they they just pop, you know, like. Like a new newer comics are, a lot of them tend to they just look kind of muddy, um, sort of dark and muddy, and and they don't have like the contrast and the the line work and the actual art doesn't stand out. And um, so yeah, we're definitely looking at at the older books like what what pops and really interests us and what grabs us about how how the colors complement the the artwork itself and how can you know we just replicate that 
Very cool. So um, I think what I'm going to do as we transition between the the two books is I'm going to sort of use a little bit of uh, Kickstarter uh, questioning here. Um, so you guys wrapped up three on Kickstarter. What are you sort of your, do you guys have a, a goal or a plan on when we might see uh, the, the, the fourth issue um, uh, coming to Kickstarter or is Kickstarter still the plan there? Uh, probably January, James, is that doable? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say yes. Breaking, uh, well, breaking news. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to everyone. Um, well, we're, uh, we're planning for our, the Ninja, our Ninja comic, um, sort of in the spring, hopefully sort of spring, early summer. And then after that we'll be, you know, hard into probably the next Dino Beast. So um, it might, you know, it'll it, it'll probably take us a while. Like hopefully the end of of uh, next year, you know, maybe. But um, we really haven't uh, looked at any sort of a timetable just yet. Cool. And you know, you you did th you know the last one was for three. Uh, did you notice? Uh, I don't know how much you paid attention to, to, to backers, but did you see like uh, people coming in at three that were going back and, and getting the whole story? So maybe the hope is, is that each time uh, another volume comes out, um, if somebody comes in, that they'll be able to jump back in and get that, that back catalog. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, you know, we had a, uh, we did like a catch up tier that did, that did really well. We had quite a few, um, people just getting all three books at once um, so we know that we know that those are like new readers which is great and uh, yes yeah and the hope is you know every time um, we'll start to get a few more and um, and then they'll go back to older stuff um, and and like with book three we put had like a little sort of a, sort of a summary page at the very beginning telling you what happened um, in the other two books to get you to this point so we can use it as like a, hey, you know, you can jump on with three and then you won't be completely lost if you start here, if you want to. Yeah, and I'm guessing maybe that was some of your love of, of old comics, too, because, you know, uh, you know, I would have gone to a, a spinner rack and, you know, I would have picked up um, whatever issue of X-Men was there and, you know, was, let's just throw out a number it's it's 278 and I'm, I'm going to pick it up and on that first page it's going to get me as caught up as as I can um at, at that point so maybe that's sort of the love of, of old comics there as well right yeah and uh, you know like uh yeah reading like yeah books where you'd always be starting at like some you never start you'd never be starting at book one you know the way we grew up reading stuff and it never felt daunting to us. It was just like, oh, this looks cool. I'm just going to start reading. And you just kind of, you just pick up what you needed to know as you read. And if you didn't understand something, yeah, it was fine. You're maybe you're going to read another one and learn something new in the next one. So it, um, yeah, it was never, I've never, you know, felt that it's like too much of a challenge. Um, but we definitely have been thinking about, you know, making sure each book is its own contained story that you'd feel satisfied with and you get enough that you, you can pick up what's going on and who the characters are 
and stuff. And I think, you know, we'll do a little, probably a little summary page at the beginning of the next two as well, because we'll have, you know, several hundred pages of story before those books. Yeah. And I guess another thing is, is that, you know, as, as indie creators, we don't have the, the, the big machine behind us to, to pump out a book every, you know, 30 days. So, you know, if it's, if it's six months between issues, you know, Dino Beast 2 comes out, I read that, you know, I bag and board it, put it in my box, back to Kickstarter for three, six months later, I probably need that sort of refresher page as well to sort of jog my memory about what I read a few months ago. Uh, so again, it probably works well both ways, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And, and since we're doing, you know, like hundred page or over a hundred page for each volume, you know, plus we have like regular jobs. Um, so it's like, you know, there's only so much you can get done, uh, get done in, in an evening and weekends, um, throughout the year to, uh, to put a big book together. And I think we asked this question, and I think you guys are on the opposite end of the spectrum that that Noah and I, because I, I, I think I remember, but you guys are pretty chill when it comes to to the Kickstarter. You sort of, you're not the the frantic uh, refresh the page every every thirty seconds to see where uh, where you guys are, right? Yeah, no, we we take a more uh, laid back approach to it. Um, uh, because in the end of the, even at the end of the Kickstarter, like if it's close, like we're still gonna fund it, like, or try to put in ourselves. Like if we didn't do a Kickstarter, we were still gonna pay to print the books. Mm. So, you know, it, it's nice when people come out and support it for sure. And it makes it easier for, you know, us as creators, but you know, we, we kind of looked at it. We were, we're gonna make it regardless whether people help us or not. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't like I, this one was almost more laid back than the other two for me, at least. Like I really didn't look at it very often, you know, check the first couple of days, go, okay, it's doing well. And then, Oh, has it been 30 days? Oh crap. Like, are we there? Like, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know how many, how many other people actually do it that way. I think, you know, you guys are probably the norm. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Matt and I have been feeling pretty in the minority lately with our guests. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I guess our, our I guess our guests are all reasonable people, and Noah, Noah and I are, are are the the ones that are maniacs, refreshing. But we've had a few people on that have like, they're like, you know, I have like six monitors open right now, and one of them is my Kickstarter page, which I've set the refresh every every thirty seconds automatically. So we we've we've encountered uh, we've encountered uh, you know both ends of the the spectrum here. But let's uh, let's transition um, to to the new book, um, and actually, sort of to tie into what we were talking about being laid back. I think when we interviewed you guys one time, and it might have been James. James is like, uh, I'm just gonna kick back and and watch some watch some ninja movies as the uh, the Kickstarter uh, closes. So, uh, do I remember yeah. that correctly? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I probably said that. Yeah. So is that part of the reason why we're we're getting uh getting a ninja book uh, sometime in the future? Yeah, uh, I mean it's definitely something we had already we started talking about at the end of Dino Beast book three, like just in when we'd be getting together, look at pages, be like, man, you know, you know what I'd like to do next? Like, how about how about a ninja book? 
you know, like we always love those 80s ninja movies and stuff, the Shokasugi ones. And, and I even was just drawing some ninja drawings um, just in my spare time, like when I wanted a break from dinosaurs. So it was kind of a real natural transition, um, I think, for us to go, you know, into this as kind of a, a refresher period, you know, from doing so much dinosaur stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, makes sense. so, so John, um, why don't you give us a, uh, a quick sort of uh, breakdown of, of the story? You know, obviously you don't want to go into, you know, major spoilers as is something that you're going to be promote, promoting in the future, but just tell us a little bit about what we could expect with this book. Yeah. Uh, so Ninja four basically um, it follows um, our uh, sort of a mild mannered uh, antique store owner named Kenzo. And uh, he has an old friend who suddenly gets uh, murdered by mysterious black-clad assassins. And then uh, Kenzo goes to uh, sort of investigate and uh, get some vengeance, unveiling his uh, sort of hidden skills. Awesome. And uh, with, if, if this is a spoiler, uh, you don't have to answer this, but why does he have the, the moniker of, of Ninja 4? Oh, well, that's just, uh, well, because we, um, yeah, we didn't want to just like label like ninja, like number one or anything. And as we've like always like watched like old ninja movies, you know, that like especially like the show Kasugi ones, Mm -hmm. they um, the only Kasugi movie where it like has a numbering behind it is Ninja three. The domination. And (laughs) and each in each of his, you know, previous movies, like he's always a ninja but it's, he's always like a different character though. You know, like sometimes he's a bad ninja. Sometimes he's a good ninja. It, like the names of the characters are different, but he's like, but it always is like, he's the same guy. Um, and so, you know, we were just like, we're like, Oh, it'll be, it'd be fun. Let's just, let's just call this. It's just like ninja part four, you know? So then if we do another ninja book, you know, we might call it ninja five or maybe we'll call it, you know, ninja eight or something and just kind of jump around, you know, different tales very cool i was yeah i was i was thinking in my head with you guys being like huge marvel fans that maybe it was sort of like a like a weapon x um and then you find out that there's like 10 versions before but uh i i i like your answer uh you know just as much maybe we'll have to do that maybe that's ninja eight (laughs) (laughs) eight of them Cool. Uh, Noah, why don't you uh, why don't you ask the guys about uh, about this book? Yeah, I was I, I actually was like I, I I looked at the title and I was like I bet that's a reference to Ninja Three, which I've never seen. But just being sort of a fan of bad movies, like I mean, like not bad, but you know, like sort of like pulpy like cult films, I guess. I have, it's like sort of an infamous film, Ninja Three, because that was also like a canon film, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So it's like, uh, I, I, so I really appreciate that. Um, but I also like your, uh, so like, I guess you'll be kind of, will this be even like more manga inspired than, uh, than like Dino Beast? So will, will it be kind of a similar style to, to Dino Beasts? Uh, I, ooh, I don't think it'll, I think it'll be less manga inspired actually. Oh, um, 
I guess it, it's more inspired by those canon action movies um, okay. than it is by comics in a way. One of, like, one of the big takeaways when we started talking about this was like a pet peeve of mine is um, I have a lot of ninja comics, but when you start reading them in a 22 page comic, you get like four pages of somebody of actual ninjas. So one of the things we looked at was where I was like, okay, as a goal to ourselves, we need to have a ninja on ev- like no long more than two pages can go without ninjas in the book, <laughs> which make would make it feel more like like those '80s action movies. That's what it is. Like you're not spending a lot of time with character development and then hanging out with friends. It's it no, it's like ninjas and people fighting and doing crazy stuff. So it, it's more inspired by that than any comics actually. Yeah, definitely. Especially, yeah, like the way it's paced um, and it'll be, you know, it's it's set to be a much shorter book than our Dino Beast um, books. And so, yeah, so the story really moves and definitely, you know, that goal of, uh, you know, every every couple of pages, like you better you better show some ninjas, get some kind of ninja stuff, because, you know, if you put ninja in a title or tell someone that there's going to be ninjas and something. As soon as you say that, like, that's all you really want to see is, is ninjas and ninja stuff. Um, so, you know, we don't want to hide, we don't want to hide that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested with it because like, there is sort of like the, the cool way of like doing a ninja, like a ninja story is, is almost like, uh, I guess, yeah, I won't be getting into spoilers, but like, there is sort of like a, a horror element, I guess, to something like Ninja 3. Is that going to be sort of baked into it? Like, sort of like a, not like, you know, like a slasher, like almost like a slasher film kind of thing. Is it, is, there, is that going to have like that kind of feel to it? I think, um, I think that that's always kind of there with, with a lot of sort of ninja type stuff because of, you know, the way they're, they're dressed and they're in the shadows. And so you're all, you're going to have just some natural um, moments where it could be like sort of scary or tense because of, because of sort of like moving at night and in the darkness. And we do play with that and stuff. So it definitely, it definitely comes up. I mean, it, it definitely has some of that undertow to it. That's cool. And I guess uh, next question is a very nerdy question, but like how nuts are you guys going to go on like motion lines and things like that with like sword play and things uh, on this next one? Ooh, um, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I would, I would say there, it, there's some of that in there. Um, I'm almost like trying to play around with different um, arts, kind of art styles. It's still me, but like different things in different panels and scenes in this. So I mean, so it's not inspired by manga, but I am looking at a lot of like Lone Wolf and Cub manga and stuff like that, old school stuff to see how they did motion, especially with like the brushwork and the line work. So uh, I'm trying to take a lot of that into my style for this one. Um, so inherently there, there, there are some 
panels that have more motion lines and then others I'm trying to make more like a like a static image if that makes sense um yeah so it, it yeah it, yeah it, it's balancing back and forth kind of it, it won't be all speed lines though <laughs> oh yeah well because like I, I I read through the first like omnibus of, of Lone Wolf and Cub earlier this year and yeah like there are pages where it's just all motion lines yeah and uh it's beautiful, but like at some point it just becomes noise. So it's really good to sort of strike that balance. Uh, yeah, so I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and some of his some of his later ones, he doesn't do as many speed lines. So that's like he finds a balance in that book. And some of like his more static images are really like beautiful, um, the way he composes them and mixes them in. So you know, I'm I'm trying to take that approach to this book. Awesome. So what is the uh, what is the the work process like? Because uh, James, I, I see from your Instagram, I see a lot of uh, ninja art uh, uh, being posted. Uh, but uh, maybe more for John, um, what is your what is your process like? Do you do you dedicate like all right today is going to be uh, like a dino beast day, and you know the next day is going to be you know the you know ninja four. Um, or is it like, hey, you know, I just found, you know, more inspiration to do this one storyline today. What, what, what's that process like? Well, right now it's because um, we've been working on Ninja, Ninja 4 pages. Um, and um, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, waiting for like maybe James to get done with like next next batch of pages. So then I've had time like, okay, now I'll start thinking about Dino Beast 4 and um, getting that solidified a little more because I don't have any ninja stuff to currently work on. And then, you know, as soon as I get the next pages, I got some from today, we scanned some. So now I'll just be back, back on that, just since that's sort of the priority at the moment. And uh, so, yeah, that's just kind of how I'm, how I'm approaching, approaching the two at the moment. And when you're coloring, um, do you ever sort of, I, I'm thinking maybe it's like one of those things like where, when you're in your car or you're, or you're running or you're, um, uh, you know, in the shower, you sort of get like a uh, eureka moment. Are you ever sort of able to turn off the, the writer brain and when you're, you're coloring um, just sort of focusing on 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 that aspect of the art. Do you ever get like, oh, this is what I need to do um, in this story, or this is the way I need to, you know, bring these two plot points together? Uh, do you ever get like a, a moment where you have to like put the 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 digital tools down when you're when you're coloring because you just figured out something for for the writing aspect of it? No, actually, I'm. Uh... I kind of, I keep them separate pretty well in my, in my brain and how I work. So like when I was cranking through like Dino Beast 3, like I like to get, you know, most of it colored before I go back and, and start lettering it and, and adding dialogue and stuff. And so some of that, like I, you know, get done with a ton of pages and then coloring them and then have to like go read my script again and be like, okay, what, what was I exactly saying here and then you know and then I can get back into the the thinking about the writing portion of it so yeah I, I do them pretty pretty separately because yeah because when like you're coloring you're just so focused on 
on the colors and the artwork and sort of like mood um, with what you're doing or what you're trying to get across that I really don't sort of think as much about like the nitty gritty about maybe what's being said in a panel or something like that. And I might be, you know, listening to podcasts or something. And, you know, then I really can't think about, about sort of the writing portion if I'm listening to other people talk. Sure. And I, I, it might actually be kind of helpful because I know like Stephen King has the advice that like when you finish um, a draft or something, you, you should, I, I guess now with computers, it's more figuratively, but you, you, you put it in a, you put it in a drawer and you, you let it sit for, for a couple of days and that allows you to come back with a set of fresh eyes. So maybe sort of the way you're transitioning between uh, acting as the writer um, and then coloring some pages and going back and looking at your script, that's allowing you to have that sort of time to, to, to step away from that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it's definitely always helpful to, to do some writing and then to like leave it for a few days and then come back to it and then get back into it and then see if you feel the same way you did when you first wrote it down. And I always found it helpful too to um, if you like if you have a printer at home, like print it off because then reading something written on page on a page, like it's different than if you're reading it on the screen. And I always find it like I react a little bit differently to it if I'm reading reading just like on the word processor or if I printed it off. And it and I usually always like have better. Um, I don't know, like better uh, epiphanies about what I wrote or ways to change it or improve something once it's like when I'm reading it on a written page, you know, that I printed out. So I, I think that's really helpful too. Cool. And uh, the lettering process, once you, you move to that phase, uh, James, are you uh, pretty hands off at that point? Or are you guys sort of still doing the collaboration where you like, does this still sound like the character's voice? You know, what do you think about, uh, you know, this line of dialogue? Is it still collaborative at, at that point? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, at that point, I'm, I'm usually pretty hands off because I'm still working on like the next batch of pages mm -hmm. while he's doing the lettering. And sometimes like if he has kind of a question like, hey, does this act, does this sound cool or like, Hey, should we still do this? Then I'll, you know, he'll ask me and I'll kind of look it over and be like, well, you know, the way we've kind of, or I've kind of drawn it, maybe it doesn't fit, but for the most part, I, I kind of trust, you know, that his dialogue is going to fit, mm -hmm. you know, kind of the story we put together. And, and for me, you know, I mean, Noah probably has the same thing. Like you're so focused on, on drawing the thing and making it look cool. Like, and you're just like, what's the next page? What's the next scene until you're finally done? So, you know, I'm just handing pages off and, you know, as long as you've got a good collaborator and you trust that they're going to make it, you know, work together at the end. Yeah. And we definitely, we definitely, you know, go a big, do a big read through once it's all completed, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, well, we usually do like a couple days. So like one day we'll get together and I'll be like, okay, so just look at the artwork and what I've colored and, you know, give me your thoughts on how these colors are shaping out. You know, does, does anything need change? Do you, 
not like certain parts or whatever. And so we'll kind of do a breakdown just for like colors. And then we'll come back like on another day and be like, okay, we got colors sorted out. Now just read it and just read, take your time, read it close. And then, and then we'll talk about the, the wording or dialogue and stuff like that. Nice. So, you know, I think we've covered a lot here, but I'm gonna check in with Noah um, to see if he has any uh, questions as we sort of bring things to a close. I, I just had some questions. Um, I, I asked you guys on Instagram when you posted the covers, but uh, I really liked the, um, uh, the, the, the colors on the covers. And I know that, uh, James, you, you did them sort of by hand with, with marker and watercolor. Um, well, what, 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 what brand of each are you using to, to color, to color the covers? Oh yeah. For the, for Ninja four. Um, so I, I used, uh, some color X watercolors. I don't know if you've heard of them. <laughs> Uh, there's something uh, I saw uh, artist Travis Charest used to use back when he was in France coloring stuff. Um, so I used some of those and then uh, just um, your standard, some Copic markers and uh, ink wash and just kind of play around and mix them together. There's a little bit of gouache in there too. Some like Winsor Newton gouache. Um, a lot of it is based on um, my favorite comic artist, Doug Wildey. He used to do a lot of like painted comics, some Johnny Quest comics and stuff. So <clears throat> I'm, I was actually trying to uh, kind of figure out how he did his stuff because I, I read a lot about how he would mix all these media together, but they never say what's what. So you're just kind of guessing like, oh, is, is that marker that he did on that part of the cover or, you know, so it, part of it was me playing around trying to kind of learn his techniques actually. That's really cool. Is some of that going to be integrated into the comic itself or is it, is it mostly just going to be, you know, you do the inks and John does the colors. Uh, we've talked about maybe some scenes like that, but I, um, I mean, we're, we're, we're playing it by ear. We're going to see how it goes um, and see how it, if it, if it'd be too weird to have like some sort of like a different coloring style for a scene or not. Yeah. Um, it, it's something I'm thinking about in the future for like another project, like trying to do like a fully painted comic of some sort. Um, so it's just kind of me starting to, to play around in that, you know, process kind of, you know. Awesome. Very cool guys. So, you know, uh, let's, uh, as we close up, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about Dino Beast, uh, what we can expect um, Ninja four, um, and then uh, let's let everybody know the best places online to, to follow you so they can they can stay up to date uh, with when books are being crowdfunded and just to sort of follow along with the, the creative process. So I don't know uh, if which one of you guys want to do this, John or James, uh, just uh, elevator pitches for, for both books again. Yeah, well, uh, so Dino Beast. Um is a dinosaur barbarian adventure following uh, our hero Komoto as he tries to rescue a, a little salamander princess. And uh, our story is just following his, his adventure through his world, trying to uh, accomplish that task. 
Cool. And 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 how about uh, how about Ninja Four? Uh, you you gave us an elevator pitch, but in review, uh, could could we get that uh, that again? Yeah. So uh, I guess so. Ninja Four is a a nineteen eighties style action revenge story uh, based on a, a antique dealer who finds his best friend uh, has been murdered. So now he has to pit his uh, ninjutsu skills against uh, an evil clan of uh, ninjas and Yakuza. Very cool. And what, again, what uh, are the best places to, to check you guys out on online? But the best place, uh, you can just go to dinobeast.com is our website. And there's lots of uh, art on there and press and all kinds of good stuff. And uh, that's where you can also buy Dino Beast comics and um, related uh, materials. And you can follow us on Instagram at jdcoats and at jacoats. Very cool. I'm going to put a link to the, the webpage in both of you guys' uh, IG pages in, in the show notes. Um, it's a lot of fun to, to catch up. Um, yeah. you, know, you know, Noah and I uh, work on a book called Dino Thrasher. So to, to, you know, talk with some guys who are also doing a, a dinosaur based uh, book is, uh, is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's great knowing that uh, there's at least a couple other people using dinosaurs as characters. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. So um, let's uh, sort of, put a put it in pencil to to get together again in a couple of months you know uh you know if a kickstarter uh comes about uh you know the start of uh, the next year let's uh let's touch base again um and we can get into more uh making comics talk as we as we promote the you know that stuff that's that's being crowdfunded yeah definitely that'd be great cool yeah, so Awesome. So I'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast or on social media, that is Twitter um, is at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod and Facebook is Constructing Comics. But once again, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other and go out there and make some comics. Thank you. <laughs>